Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. I'm Chris Hemke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, uh, we are back after our first week off. Dude, where did the time go? I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, guys, we got a lot of great shows lined up for you in the future. We're yeah. going to be diving into some research topics. We're going to be diving into some uh, broader interview topics. Uh, but one of the things that Chris and I have always wanted to get into is really talking about power recipes in a very real way or maybe just yeah. grabbing a truck, which is what we're going to do today. Right. We're going to talk about the fifth gen Cummins. Uh, God, I feel like this is... We get so many calls about these trucks. You know, I mean, rightfully so, right? They're the the fifth gen Dodge. It's the nineteen to current. It's the it's the newest Cummins platform on the block, right? So a lot of times, guys are coming from an older truck into a newer truck, right? And just the natural progression. This is what they're going with, or maybe they're new to diesel, and you know, this is just what they ended up stumbling across. It's a it's a great truck. It's a great platform. Uh, we've been very favorable to them over the years. Yeah. You know, just doing the R and D and whatnot. So, you know. We figured, you know, we're getting a lot of inquiries. We're getting a lot of how-to questions, and we're, we've been asked about weak links and, you know, what some upgrade options are. And figured, hell, why not just talk about it? Absolutely. So. And before we dive too far in, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors. You know, those include WC Fab. Uh, they have everything that you need. If you need it powder coated, if you need it looking cool under the hood, if you need it flowing more air under the hood, uh, they are the go-to. That's who we use. That's who we recommend. Yeah. And they've really been expanding their product line, right? Like, you think about their tenure in the market, right? Duramax oriented, that was their roots. If you you talk to any of the Whirly Boys, they are they are GM to the death, <laughs> right? But they've expanded their product catalog. You know, they offer a bunch of parts about the platform we're going to talk about today, being the fifth gen Dodges, yep. uh, the fourth gen Dodges, and they offer you know piping kits and intake horns. They even do them for the Power Strokes. They have a six seven line for the Power Stroke that they're going to be dropping soon. So they've uh, they've definitely uh, positioned themselves to be kind of like your one stop shop for all three brands these days. That's it, so. man. Absolutely. Uh, Exergy Performance. That's who we get our high pressure fuel system fuel system components from uh why do we work with them chris reliability consistency those are probably two of the big things i remember back you know going a decade ago when you wanted to make big power in a in a common rail engine it was always dual fuelers you always ran two cp3 pumps if i got a dollar for every time um a splitter would fail, right? The, the controller. About like um, the controllers were always a or nightmare. one of the FCAs on one of the pumps. The whole system would get upset. Try troubleshooting that. Yeah, and yeah. then now you know they've really, in my opinion, they're like the pioneer of of stroker pumps. And now I can be confident, you know, if I want to make eight hundred horse, a ten mil pump will get us there. You want to make almost a thousand, a twelve mil pump can get us there. They have their fourteen millimeter pumps, which we've seen thirteen, fourteen hundred horsepower out of. And they recently just released at PRI a couple weeks ago their Alpha Five. 50 pump which is oh, like shit. a stroker pump on steroids with more <laughs> info to come so you know it's really cool to see that that they're you know kind of pioneering in in developing new products for you know uh, race application and in high performance diesel application and especially in a time now where it seems like some of that stuff's falling off companies like exergy are coming to the plate like hey hold on we have some cool stuff in the pipeline yeah so it's cool to see i love it uh xcp your one-stop shop for diesel performance you can find a handful of uh featured stealth <laughs> turbos over there at xdp jump on and check those out uh we've loved working with them we've worked with them for a long time yep. uh always glad to have them on as being a part of the podcast and last but not least chris calibrated power home of duramax tuner.com yep. they pay the bills uh not just for the show but for you and i yeah i mean 
a lot of stuff coming through the woodwork here as well. You know, we have some really cool content that we're going to be coming out with in the next couple months. We're doing a lot of behind the scenes testing. I know Justin, our producer, he's been filming Nick a shit ton. There's been a lot of data collection. I know you've been working in the back end, just doing a bunch of, you know, uh, documentation as far as like how the videos should come together. So there's a lot of cool uh, turbo comparison stuff that we've already started to release. We have some parts on some other trucks that we're going to be releasing. We also have uh, some more turbochargers in the near future. Our engine dynos up and running, up which is and running. awesome. That was so cool this so morning. Yeah. It's just uh, at the end of the year when we take a step back and go, what did we accomplish? We are now starting to realize like, okay, well, 24 is going to be exciting. Yeah. So Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. Well, hey, back into the fifth gen Cummins. Uh, Chris, this is your world, man. You, okay. you have been on the cutting edge of Cummins performance since like, what, 2015, 2016, something no, like it, that. I forget when you bought the black truck. It's uh, it's crazy to think as someone who you know an enthusiast, right? Like I yeah. just I just wanted to afford a truck at one point. Came right? in came in as a 24 valve guy. Yeah, 12 valve guy at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. jumped into a 06 common rail. Yeah, I bought a, the cheapest one I could find. It was an 0759. Yep, 07. Yep. 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 Uh, two wheel drive. Two wheel drive. Three hundred and fifty thousand miles and. We uh, we did a bunch of stuff to that truck, yeah. you know, trans turbo. Um, ended up getting a motor because the motor ended up getting hurt. Got a set of hundreds and a twelve mil, and I sold that truck to a really good customer of ours. And they made you know seven hundred fifty horsepower, and you know that truck was a really cool learning experience. And from that, I ended up graduating into the the fifteen Ram, which we've had on the show talked about a bunch uh we used that truck over at calibrated for a lot of r&d for many years That's right ran a um, uh, emissions equipped twin turbo kit yep, for many years emissions on twin kit we learned a lot about the 68 rfe from a, a tuning perspective to built transes and tuning those to you know our our mach 1 series and and str turbos that we currently have on the market all of that was developed on that 15 so we had a lot of of good data to compare like okay this is how a compound stuff uh turbo setup runs can we get a single turbo charger to replicate or be somewhat similar so you know a lot of downtime with that truck that truck's been apart and put back together more times than i would ever care to talk about <laughs> but um you know there was a lot of learning that took place with that and uh you know, it was one of those where that that truck was at like the final stages of, of ownership for myself. And uh, Nick and I worked a deal. He wanted to keep the truck around for more testing. And I just I wanted to get into a newer truck. Yeah. And I promised myself, like, oh, I'm not going to do any r and I'm not throwing my hat in the ringer for anything. I just <laughs> I'm going to get a newer truck and I'm going to leave it alone. And stock trucks are just boring. And yeah. here we are just kind of going through the same motions of the stages just as our customers would and we're doing it in a way that i think is a, a little bit more level-headed we're not just throwing compounds into the truck and a bigger turbo into the truck but really just starting with the the basic bolt-ons and some of the limitations and weaknesses in the transmission to say hey you know here is a step-by-step blueprint if you wanted to build a cool truck down the road but you want to do it in stages or oh you want to throw this part on the truck well here's what you're actually going to see in the real world from dyno to you know data logging as far as how the turbo performs and all these different little attributes that guys call in and ask about so that's what we're currently going through absolutely now fifth gen what what years does that reference so that'd be a 19 through current so 2024 is is what that would would support okay um 
over at Calibrated. You know, currently we offer engine calibration and trans calibration for your 19 to 23. Uh, there has been a 24 floating around here the last couple of weeks, so hopefully we'll we'll be at market with the 24 support here before too long. So now the tuning on these has gotten more complicated throughout the years. You know, back in the day with yeah. the five nines, we we hooked up to it with the FI Live and. You flashed it. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's really as complicated as it was. The early six sevens, I think we had pretty easy access to. Um, it was around eighteen nineteen when it started to get a little more complicated. Well, keep in mind when we originally released fourth gen support back in fifteen, you had to had a bully dog to unlock the ECM. So there was a separate oh my hardware God, I to about do the that. unlock. Yeah. Um, and even prior to that, like if you had a, a late third gen 6.7 or an early fourth gen 6.7 and you were tuning it with EFI Live, you had to have an RSA patch to flash into the controller to unlock it. Then you could flash the tune file. That's right. Um, RSA patches. I do not miss people memory calling lane. in. Paul, taking down memory lane people right People used now. to call in, yeah, just because they couldn't figure out what the hell this RSA patch yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you look at it in, in today's world, like the earlier, the, the, the earlier late fourth gen, you know, you're 13 to 17, we ended up being able to get away from doing an unlock in, in you know, companies like EFI Live and Easy Link and HP Tuner, they were able to develop a flash protocol to just flash the controller, and that's that. Okay. Um, in 18, a bypass cable, a, uh, a CAN bypass cable was needed, okay, to go under the dash. Um, and that is basically 18 to current. Like you have to have that no matter what. Um, but what's interesting is is you can you could basically take a handheld and flash an 18, a 19, a 20, a 21, no problem. In 22, there's a new encryption in the ECU. So the 22 to 24 uh, fifth-gen dodges are where things get a little bit more complicated, where you actually have to have um, an unlocked controller from an earlier year model truck. So essentially, you need a 19 to 21 controller. Okay. Or if you're like big, big money, you could go to Cummins and just buy a new ECM that... RAM has never physically flashed. Yeah, this is such a weird concept to me. So Cummins manufactures the ECMs. Yes. But as soon as they go to RAM, which is the distributor, that's right. who you're actually buying the truck from, uh, they flash it and, and lock, lock it. everybody out. Correct. Correct. Fuck you, so, RAM. Yeah, I'm just no playing. Shit. I'm just playing. So it's it's funny because like guys will call in and you know they'll say like, well, I had a 19 or a 20 and I went to a 22 or a 23 and I have to be the one to tell them like, yeah, like there might be minimal changes like, you know, in 24 or in 23, maybe the dash is a little different or the hood is different, but the power plant itself is all relatively the same. It's, it's similar calibration strategy throughout those trucks, but the cost is four times. Because of the ECM. Right. So, right. you know, it's it's one of those where I'm sure in due time, you know, it's it's only a matter of time before things get a little cheaper on the tuning front. But as of right now, if it's a 22 plus truck, like it stinks. It, it's it's pricey. Yeah. it's it, And I always feel like the price in relative to the cost of the truck is actually pretty affordable. Yeah. If, if we just think if like. You're, if you're going to back into it from the, the Paul way of thinking, like you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? You go in, in 19, you could have bought a fifth gen, you know, out the door fully loaded for fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. Right. You want to tune that truck? Okay. You're 15, 1800 bucks. Yeah, it is what it is. You're going to go buy a truck in 2023. That same truck in 19 that was for fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 is going to run you 90 to a hundred grand now. So that's right. You know, it's it's up in cost, but it, yeah. it, I guess the problem is it's just like you're not gaining anything more. Like when the L5P stuff came out, for example, in the Duramax, and prices were up. 
Well, you were getting more for the truck. You were getting, you know, 150, almost 200 horsepower more just calibration, you know? Yeah, so we went from, what, 120 horsepower out of an LML top end, right? Yeah, to, to, 150, to 150, 150. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing with LMLs is when or L5Ps when those came out and the and you had to buy HP tuners, yeah. unlocked ECMs, uh, which you, you still do for the most part. But um, the price was so high. Yeah, I was. think I want to say it was thirty six hundred dollars just for the ECM. Then you had to buy well. Remember the they originally released the ECM and then jacked up the price. Yeah. So there's been like six different price structures for that, it, and we're also seeing that now in in the twenty two plus RAM stuff. You know what we were able to get ECMs for a year ago. Those prices have almost doubled, and yeah. then there's core charges that have almost doubled. So, it's it's a weird time. And that and that's what what I've seen in this industry is technology does eventually catch up to convenience, yeah. right? We we all want the convenience of just plugging it in and flashing it, of course. And nowadays, n- now with L5Ps, for example, here we are all these years later. Uh, last year, we finally got the ability to remote flash. With the unlock yeah. cable. Yeah. yeah, so you were able to remotely unlock your ECM without having to pull think, it out of the truck. I think but it took, yeah. I, do you remember reading all of the forum posts around L5P? This will never happen. Yeah, You'll never be able to flash it. This is what this is what the NSA uses for encryption. Yeah. You'll never be able to do it. And then, you know, yada, yada, yada. First, they, you get the unlocked ECMs, and then now all of a sudden you're able to unlock mm-hmm. the ECMs in the truck. Uh, with the Cummins stuff... Um, the process, honestly, I don't think is as bad as what it is in the L5Ps for swapping ECMs. The job's a little bit easier, isn't it? I'll, I'll tell you that the, the swapping process from a calibration side is a little bit more simple, but swapping the physical ECM sucks because oh, it's, really? it's on the engine, on the driver's side of the engine, and there's really no clear-cut way to get to it. Okay, So I've done a couple swaps on the newer trucks where like guys had dual alternators. It's a shit show. There's no room. You can't get in there from the top. So the only other option is is to like jack the truck up and pull the driver's side wheel well out. Right. And then remove the intercooler pipe and twist it. And then you have some access. But you're like reaching over the tire. Like it's not a very comfortable operation to, to necessarily get to. Um so it has its inconveniences, right? It's not a, a straight shot and a, yeah. an easy install, but it's not the worst thing to do. Sure. But I would say an L5P ECM swap is probably a little bit easier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The actual physical ECM. The swap itself. The, the tune process on an L5P is probably pretty involved. I think if you're doing an ECM swap on an L5P and you have to do the VATS relearn, that's where a lot of the complications come in. Okay. When with the Cummins, with the way the H, you know, we use HP tuner for that stuff, the way the flash protocol takes place is it learns the keys back to the truck. So there is no remote start issue. There is no VATS issue. Once it's flashed, it's done. Um, so it simplifies the install from that perspective. As far as flashing of the trucks, they're going to be relatively the same. You know, as far as using, using VCM scanner or VCM editor to read the file, flash the file, info log to your tuner. That stuff's all pretty straightforward. Okay. So. Gotcha. Um, we always start with tuning. That's your best bang for the buck. That That's is... the first thing we recommend to do when you buy a truck. You don't yep. need the intake right away. You don't need the lift pump right away. You don't need intercooler pipes right away. Yep. Start with the tune. You're going to get the, the biggest results for the least amount of investment. I would say so. What comes after tuning on these? So I always kind of practice this as you know what kind of truck do you have you know if you have a 3500 ho truck you know you're going to have the asin transmission which we all know is a pretty badass transmission for the most part um that transmission can definitely withstand some more abuse compared to what the 68 can um 
if you have a 68, the valve body and the transmission is generally your, your biggest weak link. So if we're looking at this from a power performance perspective and you own a 2500 or a 3500 standard output, the valve body and the transmission is generally something I would recommend doing. Now, I always preach to guys, do the valve body early. Do it early with the truck when it doesn't have a ton of miles on it because in all reality, if you take care of the truck, the valve body is going to preserve the life of the trans. Um, and we've seen this. I mean, we've seen a ton of trucks come in and out of the shop that have 50, 60,000 miles. The valve body failed. It took out, you know, uh, it took out gears in the transmission or the transmission had premature issues. And those things could have been avoided if the faulty valve body from the factory was replaced. So um, we've seen, you know, stock trucks with valve body upgrades and minimal trans upgrades, you know, handle 500, 600 horsepower. I'm not saying that that's going to live forever. But sure. if you priced out what a 68 being built is like eight grand to start, if you're lucky to blink at it, if you can, if you're lucky enough to find one for 8,000 and there are some trans builders out there that are starting to become more competitively priced and right. the pricing starting to come down. But, you know, like we've always worked with RevMax on stuff and I mean, just their entry level trans is nine grand. Yeah. If you want to get into, you know, a 700 series transmission, like what I had in my 15, that's a 13, $14,000 endeavor. That's just the trans. Just the trans. That's not labor fluid. Like that's the trans. You're not even making more power with that. You're no, just able just to harness able, more power. Able. So that's so. You know, crazy. I've always said, like, you know, if you have a if you have a standard output truck, and this this doesn't just apply to the fifth gen, this applies to four gens. Like, the thousand to twelve hundred dollars you're going to spend on a on a valve body upgrade is money well spent. Like, yeah. it truly is. And then to go a step further, if if you have the plan of maybe doing a turbo upgrade in the future and you tow with the truck, well, it might be smart just to throw a converter at that and call it a day. That that's what I did on my truck. Sure, right. Sure. Like, we did a Revmax valve body, and then Rev what do you do? Valve a body. I did a I did a Revmax converter. You did a Revmax converter. Did a Revmax okay. converter. We did a Revmax valve body in that thing. Um, I did a billet flex plate as well, just because it was right there. What What was the drivability like with that setup? So you can definitely tell the the way the triple disc on the transmission how it how it shifts or how it locks up. It is a little different compared to the factory converter. It's a little bit more positive. Um, we've been playing around with some of the trans calibration and just kind of ironing out some of that aggressiveness just to streamline it and make it a little smoother. Um, but I'll tell you right now, I'd rather tow, even the, the, my boat, for example, I'd much rather have the converter and the valve body in motion than the factory trans. It's not as mushy. It's not as soft. It's It shifts, and you can feel that more power is being planted to the ground. Yeah. And you're able to maintain more line pressure to help with the clutch coupling. Yeah, I know the 68. I remember the first time I drove uh, a 68 truck, um, slush box is all i can yeah. come up with it just, just it, it, it short shifts it it, it kind of hops around where you don't want it to yeah. and it just the downshift is clunky it feels like the trans is about to drop out of it like it's just not pleasant yeah i always joke around with guys when guys call in they're asking about oh you know what would you do or what truck blah 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 i always say like the cummins is probably the least impressive truck like if you're going to compare Off drivability oh hell yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's my preference, right? Like, if, if I was going off of what's the most impressive, I'd have a Ford, but I would never truly want to own a Ford. Like, that's just not what I my prefer. They're so, they're so hard to beat. They're, they're, they're just, oh, they're so hard to every beat. Every mathematical bone in my body says the 6.7 Power Stroke is the best diesel on the road right now. Oh, I mean, from a refinement and drivability characteristic, they are a very, very, very difficult platform to beat. Yeah. But, hey. And they got I'll, really the... the position on the windows is just perfect to rest your arm yeah, on. Yeah, that's can't, true. Can't that's get true. around it. But to all the fellow Cummins guys out there, you know, we didn't choose to go with a power stroke. We, that's right. we chose to go with the Cummins. That's and right. There's a lot of cool amenities that those have to offer, but the way they drive is not one of them. So. <laughs> <laughs>
that $100,000 truck you bought, you know, not optimized for driving. Not optimized for driving. <laughs> All right. All right. So so we do the tune. We do the valve body. We do the torque converter. Hey, flex plate if you're there. That's a... That, that's well, I think a, it would be a, more or less like in all joking aside, like the valve body is a given, just do it, and it's a simple install. Yeah. The converter is a little bit more of a, a process to do for sure. I generally don't recommend that to guys unless they have goals of wanting to do more and use the truck a certain way. But yeah. the valve body, bare minimum. Like if you're if you plan on doing a turbo down the road, yeah, yeah then probably safe to just get the converter done and get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, you also, if you're not going to do the turbo for a few years, you could live without it. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, so that gets us past the trans. What's next? So this is some of the stuff now that in prior years, like with the fourth gen trucks and the third gen trucks, it would always be a turbo as the next upgrade, right? Like that would that would be the next limiting factor. But from a lot of our, our customer base, that's generally not the next upgrade. They're either doing something like an intake air ram. You know, Banks is making a lot of noise right now with their monster air ram that they're offering. Um, and rightfully so. There's a lot of things going on right now that make that product fairly viable. One being the grid heater bolt, which we actually have a 6.7 in the lot right now where this uh, grid heater bolt uh, got ingested into the motor, blew the motor up. Can you explain that a little for somebody who's not into like the 5th gen forums? Like, So this isn't just 5th gen. What is going on? Th- this is 5th gen and 4th gen. Okay. Uh, this is 6.7 in general. But you have a grid heater that lies on the intake plenum. Okay, That's what heats up the air for cold starts. There is a 10 millimeter bolt that sits on the inside of your intake. Okay, on the grid heater, on the, the 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 webbing, if you will. Okay, it holds like the 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 grid heater to the intake element, and that's what basically um, signals for it to get hot and cool off. Okay, that bolt will actually vibrate and back off, and once it unbolts and backs off, it's not external; it is internal. So it goes right into the intake of the oh. motor, and then it gets ingested into a cylinder. You know, I was just talking with somebody. One of our turbo builders downstairs has uh, an older Cummins, yeah. uh, an 05, and I was talking to him about it. And I said, uh, you know, Cummins guys who aren't out there with big C stickers, yeah. everything they buy for the truck is based out of fear. Of course. Because, <laughs> because you're just worried about, like, I mean, but even the what guy that- catastrophic thing could go wrong. But, like, a bolt in the intake plenum. Yes. In the intake plenum. Inside. Yep. You just... You're like, man, we've had diesel trucks what a on the road. Design. We've had diesel trucks on the road since 1989, probably 85, 86, 80, something like that. Yeah. Like, the fuck were you thinking? Piss poor design. And you say Cummins guys buy stuff out of fear. I mean, even the guys with the big C's are buying it out of fear because they want you to know what they got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're yeah, afraid. Yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. need you to know. Fair enough. You can hear them halfway down the road, but they want you to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's such a shitty design. And now you have, you know, companies again, like banks where like, Hey, like we can relocate this grid heater and the install sucks. Let me just be honest with you because the fuel lines, the fuel rail, everything has to get moved because a new plenum goes in place and a new horn. But, um, we got it done. We're doing some testing here in, in, in house on the dyno. So we'll have more to come in a few weeks, but that's one of the parts that like, what, what gains do you see? Like if I don't do a turbo upgrade and I wanted to do that from an insurance policy, from not having a grid heater issue, are there performance gains? Wasn't wasn't the the five nine had a 
big monster intake horn too, right? It had a smaller one, but their banks offers like the big monster. This fits right in their product line for everything that they offer. Okay. It's just now you can relocate the grid heater and you have that added whammy, that added bonus. Right. Um, other things that we see a lot of, and this was something that I was, you know, kind of shocked on, the driver side intercooler pipe on the fifth gen is plastic. Okay, so just like prior year trucks and some of the other trucks on the market, those plastic intercooler pipes over time have a tendency to crack. That yeah. could form a boost leak. So Worley Custom Fab, one of the sponsors of the show, they have released intercooler pipes for the truck. Banks offers some as well. Um, and then, of course, you have the different cold air intakes, right? Like intakes are becoming popular, even more popular by the day. You can drop an intake on a truck and, you know, there's some crazy claims out there of some pretty impressive power. But what do they actually make? I don't care about the company marketing the product. Oh, 30% more airflow, 40% more airflow. Is the airflow the restriction? What's it going to make on the dyno? I've had I've always had this question about intakes because we have seen wild claims. We've seen fuel mileage claims yeah. based on intakes. And we've also seen some impressive gains when we did the L5P intake shootout. Oh. We saw we, we, my we saw some companies that like made me take a step back and be like, okay, well, I have to see the bigger picture. Like there are gains to be had. That is a restriction. Yeah, and it's also as far as shit goes for your diesel, mm -hmm. it's affordable. Oh, like when you look at it, right? Like I've always tried to coach guys like spend money where it's needed to be spent. And like for me, I want to be able to see a return on whatever that investment is. Like you're not investing something to make money on it, right? It's never going to happen. But you want to be able to see a change on the truck. You want to better the truck. Yeah. You don't want to do something just to do something or have it hurt the truck's performance. Yeah, and it doesn't have to just be dollar per horsepower, no, which I think no. is usually a gauge we I use I mean there's here. dollar per reliability, there's yeah. long-term, you know, efficiency there. Like there's a lot of things that come into place, but you know, when you look at one of these trucks, we've we've had trucks on the dyno, right? Other fifth gens, and uh, a stock '68 truck will, with a tune being limited in the tune, will make about 460 horsepower, baseline 330. So, pretty impressive, right? I know when you go on like the website, we claim the power numbers differently because of what the truck's baseline from the factory, but realistically, on a 330, it'll make roughly uh, uh, 440, 450 horsepower. Okay. You put a valve body in there, or you get a HO truck with a badass ASIN trans, we could make about 500, 510 horsepower okay, at the rear tire. So pretty impressive numbers. Maybe yeah. not L5P world, not power stroke world, but in their own right and what they baseline at, they're impressive. Sure. So what do you gain if you do an intake? What do you gain if I do an intake air horn? If I if I listen to what some of these companies are saying, I should make like 550, 600 horsepower, all joking <laughs> aside. So, you know, for us, it's like, okay, maybe you're not ready to spend three or $4,000 on a turbo upgrade. Turbos are expensive. Yeah. What are you going to gain if you do just an intake and an intake horn or intercooler pipes to improve on that? These are parts that are probably going to have to come into place when you do a turbo upgrade anyways. So here's the opportunity to kind of get it out of the way. And that's currently what we're dealing with now. Right, right. Okay. Intake is worth it. Intake air horn is worth it. Oh, man, that brings your truck up to that 500 horsepower. Uh, we're not going to recommend deletes. Um, no, no. I mean, not just because the EPA won't legally allow us to recommend no. deletes, well, but we also get, because we get paid by them. We've had right, that accusation. Right, so. right. As, a, as an agent for the EPA, yeah. uh, God, I'm check. missing that check. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but no, in all seriousness, what we've seen is we've seen deleted trucks come in that have this same level of performance upgrades. They have an intake, they have the intake yeah. horn, uh, they have the valve body. The only difference being is that their tuning allowed them to delete the emissions equipment. 
We don't see a massive gain in fuel no. mileage, and we don't see a massive gain in horsepower. We see very similar results. What I would no. call, what I would call, notable but not significant. I would say if we've done some back-to-back comparisons, like on on the fifteen truck, you know, the the t- my old truck, sure. When that truck had the compounds, the truck made like six hundred and forty to the tire, you know, Mustang numbers, and I want to say that. That same truck, same configuration, deleted was within about five, ten horsepower. Oh wow! You know, and I always joke around. I could take the same truck on the dyno, and any of our calibrator, you know, calibration listeners out there, back me up on this. You run the truck ten times on the dyno back to back, you're not going to get the same number. You're going to get within that five, ten horsepower, you know, variance. There's there's a percentage of yeah. Um, you know, and we've seen that in even in the the truck where we went to a single turbo, we did try to do some comparison. You know, emissions on off, controlled on the dyno to say like, is there back pressure limitations? Is the exhaust a, a lingering, you know, a hindering aspect? Sure. Or even if we're making the same power, do we have double the EGTs exactly. because of the emissions right. equipment? Shit is the like that. system working harder to create the power? Yeah. And uh, you know, we've we've seen up into that like six six fifty kind of number. Like you could you can efficiently reliably make. A good amount of power on one of these trucks, keeping it emissions legal, and you know they're they're still fun to drive. Now, when you look at the emissions as a whole on a fifth gen Dodge, they seem superior to what you would see in a fourth gen. You know, there's all five inch piping that connect your filter and your cat together. Like, yeah, you have a true four inch downpipe off of the turbocharger. Like these are these are big pipes and they flow. So. We've been talking for the last couple of years, like, hey, we want to push the envelope and see what this is capable of. I'd rather see it on one of our boss's trucks than mine pushing the envelope. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where once you get down that rabbit hole, it's just it's hard to come out of. So we'll see what happens. Tell you guys a little secret. I was a secret. Tell you about a conversation I had. Um, I was talking with Nick about some change ups in the fleet. This is usually around the time of year where uh, our boss will sell a truck and buy a truck. Yeah. It's pretty standard for for when it gets cold out. Um I told him I, I, he made some suggestions. He's thinking about getting rid of the Ford, yeah. um, you, you know, and some, making some other moves. Uh, and what we were talking about was like, you know, I love the Ford. We, we have this really cool 19 uh, power stroke with everything we could throw on at emissions hey, equipped. It's, it's a cool regular cab with a lift and a turbo and a fuel system. It's been like sled it, pulling. It's a cool truck. It's been drag racing. It's been dynoed. It's, it is one of my favorite trucks in the fleet. Yeah. Um, but what I told him was like, man, no, we, we did everything we could with this competition wise, and nobody cared. Yeah, just, just it just never made a splash. Uh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I'm really gonna argue with you when this comes up again. He's like, but just remind me we need nitrous. And I'm like, I think that is, I think that's that's a part of the future as we start to put yeah. these plans together. Uh, whether that's on the fifth gen. Cummins platform that yeah. might be what he jumps into. He might jump into a different power stroke. Well, Who knows? I think that goes into there's a couple there's a couple different areas of the market, right? Like, are you trying to prove a point in just having a high horsepower truck to compete with other high high horsepower trucks? Like that's one side of the business. Sure. And the reality of it is, for a lot of the people that we deal with over at Calibrated, it's they use their trucks, they work their trucks, they tow with their trucks, whether it's professionally or recreationally. You know, they use their trucks as a tool to get them from point A to point B with, you know, their their family trip on the weekends or their hot shotters or whatever the case may be. So a lot of times a lot of guys are are looking to improve their truck's operation to be more efficient, more effective, um, offer a better driving experience. Yeah. You know? Nitrous isn't gonna fit those bills, which we all know that. But these other parts that we're talking about 
are going to be key elements to, okay, I want to make this power okay. Well, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat. We've all heard that phrase. But what are these parts going to do? Are you going to see less less RPM out of the turbocharger? Are you going to see three or four less pounds of boost, which equivalates to less drive pressure, which again, the system works more efficiently? Can I throw an intake on a truck and can I get some fucking sound out of the truck? Can I hear the turbo whistle? Can I hear the turbo spool up? Like, yeah. To me, I'll pay the money if I can hear the turbocharger when I'm driving <laughs> down the road. Like, I want to hear some of these things. I want that old school diesel There's so with much the refinement and the newer around- stuff. Noise, vibration, and, and harshness being canceling? reduced. Yeah, yes. and here and we are. Like, yeah. rip all the in, rip all the insulation yeah. out. I need to hear it. But it's just you know, it's just, it's about a balance, you know. And I mean, yeah. these you get into these newer trucks. Like, I'll tell you right now, man. I never thought ten years ago, you know, when I started here, that here we'd be ten years from now, and I can even afford a truck like that. Like, sure, they're, they're expensive. Um, let alone rip it apart and have more miles wrapped racked up on the dyno than I put on the truck myself. <laughs> but, you know, it's really cool to, to kind of get that feedback and, and kind of get some of that data. So when we do get guys that trust us, right, and reach out to the company and whether it's myself or any of the other sales guys or the support guys, it's like, hey, like, you know, we'll talk the talk and we'll walk the walk. Here's the data. Like, yeah. Here's what you can see. This is what we can realistically do on a truck like yours. By the way, we have something similar. So, right. I love it. All right. So we got intercooler pipes on this thing. Yep. We've got an intake, an intake horn. Yes. We've got tuning. We've got a valve body, potentially a converter. Yep. Uh, next up's a turbo. Next would be a turbocharger. So what I think we're going to do is, uh, you know, we already know like on these trucks, 550, 575 is probably the cap off of the fuel system. So for the listeners, I have a, it's a 2019, it's been CP3 converted. So the dealer CP3 converted under the recall. So we're going to see like, what's the limitation there? And then from there, we'll, you know, uh, once we do the turbo, we'll see the limitation on the fuel system and then we'll start doing some fuel upgrades. Um, I've always ran like fast stuff in the past. Yeah, right? that's kind of always been my go-to for lift pumps. Um, they have a they released some some snippets at the PRI show. They're going to be offering like a drop-in tank style, similar to ooh, similar to the fleece setup, similar to the fleece stuff. So that's going to be something to look at. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see, like, okay, you know, we know the turbocharger factory-wise is going to cap off at about five ten. F- I'm my estimation is about five ten to five twenty-five somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. So we do a turbo upgrade. Is it worth thirty? 40 horsepower on a factory fuel system and then if we do a lift pump does it is it worth anything or do i have to jump up into a stroker pump again but yeah. realistically I, i'd like to see that truck replicate similar to like where the 15 was which was around that you know 6 620 630 number uh has anybody pushed one of these newer trucks to its limits do we know where the connecting rods will hold up to i mean there are plenty of guys in the world in this industry now making thousand plus wheel horsepower on on stock motors really oh yeah okay so like that stuff all still exists Right. And again, that's not our, our wheelhouse. That's yeah, not yeah, what yeah. we deal with. But, you know, for me, it's just, uh, you know, I think 600 horsepower is the is the best balance. If we're talking a truck that is going to drive well, tow well, get good mileage, you could throw your wife the keys to the truck and have her take it for a drive. And, you know, you not be like, oh, shit, you know, she's going to crash <laughs> this thing. I, I really think like that 600 horsepower is, is that balance of the versatility of the truck. Yeah, I, I've told so many people like you'll never 
legally use more than 600 horsepower on the road. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. You just, you don't need it. No. Like, it's fun to have. Don't get, I'm not talking to anybody out of more yeah. power. Bragging rights um, is key. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but to actually drive down the road, I mean, as hard as you want to stomp the throttle, you just, you're not going to get any quicker acceleration right. off the stop sign. You're not going to pass anybody any more efficiently. It's like once right. you hit that 600 horsepower, you're like, I'm, playing with fire yeah like, like i'm juggling hand grenades yeah. you know who knows when the pin's gonna fall out no i agree um chris these are really really cool trucks like you mentioned you have one you're yeah. going through some work on it here are we gonna do a future episode and uh so. go beat the shit out of your truck on the road i think uh well as we were recording this the truck was being ran on the dyno so right. getting some final numbers out of it i'd like to get a podcast underway you know do a do a review on the whirly intake because yep. that was something that we agreed on doing um i could tell you we've had a 24 ram like i said floating around here and that has the whirly intake on it already and what a difference turbocharger wise man like yeah. you can hear it it's audible in the cab it gives it a nice nice sound it's enjoyable um so i wanted to get some sound clips of that i wanted to get some real world feedback of us behind the wheel of the truck um so i'm excited you know just to kind of get into that and uh you know kind of see where that project uh, takes us so yeah no I'm, I'm excited to get out of here so i can go see what it made so that maybe <laughs> we could talk about that next time as well so well let's wrap it up guys uh thank you so much for joining us for today this has been paul wilson and chris emke thanks for listening Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. If you're going to back into it from the, the Paul way of thinking, like you're, you're not wrong. I mean... <laughs>